So this morning we are starting off on a new series, <clears throat> new series all in. As we talk some about um, this church family and what God is doing in our community and what we desire to see. And this came out of uh, two weeks ago when I was preaching through First Peter. And First Peter, he, Peter's talking about Jesus as a stone, using images from the Old Testament about being the cornerstone of God's kingdom. And then he said, because of who Jesus is, we are living stones to take that image of stone and applying it to each of us, being built up into a spiritual house, into a church. And so I was thinking about that and talking to someone with our church family about how that means because of who Jesus is, because of what he's done, we belong here. Regardless of what's happening in the world around us, here you belong. The thing is, I was thinking about that, sometimes it's, if, if you remember a couple weeks ago, this was the image of the stones being built up into a church. Sometimes I feel like this. Uh, sometimes I feel something more like this, like a bunch of stones scattered in the field. Because of our lives are busy, because we're so busy doing things that we get disconnected from one another, and it feels like we can be off on our own things. God desires us to be built up into a spiritual house. It got me asking this last week of what do we belong to? Do we belong to a social club? Is that, is, this, is that what this is, just a club to meet together? Or do we belong just to a Sunday service? Is that the only thing that's happening in church? Is that the only reason why we're a part of this group, is just to meet on Sundays to sing? Are we here to ask what's in it for me? Is that why we're a part of a church? To just so we can get stuff out of it? Or are we the people of God? Are we a movement gathered around Jesus and focused on his mission? Are we a spiritual building, a spiritual house being built up? The question I was wrestling with this week is, are we consumers of the kingdom of God or are we builders of the kingdom of God? See, I believe that we are a missional people. That when we begin following Jesus, we become a people on mission, gathered around Jesus and at work in, his, in, this, in this community for his kingdom purposes. See, I'm convinced that God desires to see a revival in our community, our friends and our neighbors coming to faith, realizing who he is and their lives being changed. I think God is up to something, and I, wanted to, and I know he is, wants to do something amazing in this community around us the people who are broken and hurting, for them to be healed. The people who are alone, to be brought into community. The people who are addicted, to be set free. And the people who wander through life aimlessly, unsure of what they're supposed to be doing, to have purpose and hope in Him. God wants to do amazing things in this community. He wants to build a spiritual house. He wants to add even more people to this community of faith. The thing is, right now, we need more help as a church. It needs us to be all in. This morning, actually this week, as I was working through this passage, hearing God wanting more from us, for us to be all in. And it's hard for me to even say that because I know you when I care for you. And I know many of you, the lives that you lead, how busy you are, 
And some of you feel like you're just barely keeping your head above water. And the last thing I want to do is throw one more thing on your pile, one more thing for you to do. But if we want to see revival here, if we want to see people's lives changed and our community transformed, then we have to devote time to God's work. We have to be all in. Gathered around what Jesus is doing. See, the thing is, I know as I talk with you, oops, wrong side, not yet. Uh, as I talk with many of you, you guys want to see revival too. You want to see people's lives transformed. How many of you? I mean, think about your friends and your neighbors, the people that you care about. How much you wish you could see them realize who Jesus is, realize what he's done in our lives, this hope, this grace, this forgiveness, purpose, and meaning. Part of something bigger than ourselves. We want that for our friends and our neighbors. We want it, but it's slow in coming, right? We wanted it yesterday, and it's still, we've been praying for friends for months, sometimes years, sometimes decades, praying that people would see who Jesus is. See, the thing is, we want to see God build this spiritual house. We want to see him grow his kingdom here. But if we want to see it, we have to be in. We have to help. We have to contribute. And see, this week has been hard for me as I've been listening to this passage. It came out of 1 Peter, but then God directed me towards uh, the prophet Haggai. And it's hard for me because I've been trying to figure out just exactly what is God saying and who is he saying it to? Because I hear God saying, I want you to be all in. But the thing is, some of you are doing that well. Some of you are engaged in in contributing to what God is doing in this church. Some of you are maybe a little bit over-engaged, a little bit too involved. And maybe you need to take a step back. Maybe it's it's, uh, burning you out or wearing you out. Some of you are here this morning and I'm not sure where church fits in your life, where this church family or where God's mission fits in your life. Some of you are new still, and you're just trying to get your feet underneath you. So I've been praying, Lord, help me to understand who is this word for? Because there's so many people at so many different levels of engagement in our church family. But I was wondering if we ask this question, maybe some of you ask this question, is does the church really need me? Does it really need me to be involved? Does God need me to be involved here? Anybody asking that question? See, the thing is, I hear the word of God speaking to us this morning, calling us to be all in, calling us to be committed to what he's doing here. Now, this word is not easy. It's challenging for sure. But if we follow it, we will see God do amazing things, not just in our own lives, but in our community around us. This morning, I hear God calling us to set our circus down. To set down all the craziness, or at least some of it, so that we have room to join in God and his work. As I mentioned, I've been reading Haggai this, mor- or this last week and this morning too. But this last week, reading Haggai, a prophet. 
And to understand what he's going to say to us, what God is going to speak to us, it's helpful to understand what's going on. Like what, what sort of situation was he riding on? So Haggai, uh, if you can just picture it. So he's riding probably um, from exile still in Babylon. He's riding to the people of God who had moved back to Israel. Okay? So the people had been, um, well, it's like, man, where do you start with the history? So anyways, let's just go with that. Uh, that Haggai is riding back to the people of God. The year is 520 B.C., 520 years before Jesus. And the people have been back in their own land now for about 20 years. It's August in Israel, so it's hot and dry. And they've been given this permission to build the temple of God. And they, begin, they had been given permission through the king Cyrus, the king of Persia. But as you read scripture, you realize that, that Cyrus was actually moved by Yahweh, by the Lord God. God put it on Cyrus to have the temple rebuilt. Now, God didn't have the temple rebuilt because he needed temples. That's not it at all. Because he wanted to have a temple to show the rest of the nations around that God had not abandoned Israel. That even though God had taken them into exile, he had brought them back and he was with them again. So he wanted them to have this temple built. So he made a way for them. He actually cleared out all the obstacles, all the roadblocks, and made a way for them to have this temple built. But they hadn't got very far. In 19 years, they had maybe some footings and a few stones piled up. It started with a flurry, things were fast, and then it just died out. And since then, they've been having trouble with their crops, just drought, just dry, um, they had trouble with the neighboring nations around them. People constantly causing trouble, raiding, stealing their stuff. So it's been difficult for them. So they're trying to scrape and, and scrape by in life. And then the Lord says this. The Lord says, he says, These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. I don't know if you, as you read that, can you hear the Lord God? Can you hear his frustration? These people say the time has not yet come. It's been 19 years. When will it be time? He's cut through all the red tape, all the legal, all the, the king uh, and uh, permission that they needed. Everything is in place. All they have to do is build. And it's not happening. What set me off to this is the fact that he says these people. Usually as you read through scripture, God refers to Israel as my people. Sometimes my cherished people, my beloved people. But here he's saying these people. You know when God says these people, he's not happy. Because these people have not have made time. He keeps saying it's just not the right time yet for God's house to be built. This has been convicting for me this week. Because I run life in the red. Constantly. And I find what it does in me is it makes me start thinking, well, God, maybe now's not quite the right time to do this. Maybe, maybe I should wait just a little bit longer. When we're too busy, we keep putting God off. Now's not the right time. 
I think about all the stuff that Tracy's doing, the stuff that my boys are doing, the stuff that I'm doing. It's crazy. And it makes me put God off. But if we want to see God do amazing things, then we have to do what he wants us to do. And I keep thinking, you know, if just in a little bit longer, God, things are going to slow down. I know my life is really crazy right now, but just give me a couple weeks and it will slow down. That's what I keep telling myself. And it doesn't slow down. It never slows down. I just keep adding more stuff on to the end of the week. You got me asking this week, I am busy, but am I productive? I am crazy busy, but am I productive? And there's a difference between being busy and productive. I mean, busy is doing all kinds of sorts, all kinds of things, flying around, doing all kinds of stuff. But that's not the same as being productive. Busy is, being, is doing a bunch of stuff. Productive is doing a bunch of the right stuff. Are we doing the right stuff? This morning I hear God challenging us. Are we the ones who are saying the time has just not yet come for the Lord's house to be built? This God's project, it needs to wait just a little bit longer so I can finish mine. Are we convicted this morning? And then Yahweh hits him with this. He says, Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house, while this house, you're referring to as temple, remains in ruin? Man, I feel like just like a punch in the gut. Oh no. There's someone else crying now too. <laughs> I just took the wind out of me this week thinking about this how we can get so wrapped up in our stuff that we don't have any time for God's stuff. Now, on the one hand, like to be honest, um, I do this too. I get wrapped up in my stuff, how I think things should be, and it squeezes out time with God. Some of you might come and look at my garage and think I'm super spiritual because it's an absolute disaster and think, Jason... Your life is, is a total mess. You must be spending a lot of time with God. That's not it at all. <laughs> this message is convicting for me. And I start asking, like, why? Why am I so devoted to my stuff, to keeping all my stuff sorted out, while God's stuff keeps getting pushed back? See, the thing is, in reality, it's, it's all of our time is God's time. I talked some about it when we were tithing, uh, when we were getting ready to give our tithes and offerings. And you know, we often talk about how money is, is given to us by God. It's all God's money. It's all his, and he's just given it to me to use. The same thing with our time. How are we stewarding our time? How are we managing the time that God has given us? You know, it's true that God has given us time to enjoy. Like this afternoon, it's Sunday. I cannot wait to rest and to enjoy the sun and celebrate Mother's Day with Tracy and our boys. There's definitely time to enjoy. But also, am I taking the time for responsibility the rest of the week? To do the work that God has called me to do. To do the work that I need to do for my family as well. And I realize as I'm saying this that my situation is a little bit different because I'm a pastor and so 
there's a huge overlap between my job and serving God. And I get that. I know some of you have other jobs that you have to work. And so your time and your week is taken up with that. But that's not to say that you can't do your job to the glory of God. That even your job has kingdom value. Even the way you do your work can build God's kingdom. But the thing is, we often do the opposite. We get so busy, so crazy busy, running from one thing to the next, that we neglect God's work and his kingdom here. See, the thing is, the more focused we are on our stuff, the less fulfilled we are. The more focused we are on our stuff, the less fulfilled we are. Listen to this. So he's speaking to these people, and he's, to, the, to the early remnants back to Israel. He says, you have planted much, but you have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. And actually in Hebrew it says, you drink, but you never get drunk. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages, but you put them in a purse with holes in it. Does this pretty much just explain North American culture right here? We focus more and more on our stuff, and it's just, it's like there's no bottom to it. The more we pile in, the less there is. And it leaves us empty, rushing from one thing to the next in our lives, and we're left empty, and it's killing us. I was thinking this week about what life used to be like just even a couple generations ago. I mean, today we have machines that do our work, and we have machines that run the machines that do the work. And yet they've done studies. We are busier now than ever before. There is no downtime. I feel it in my life. I feel it in me. And I see it in you. Which is hard to say because I love you. But I see it in you too. But here's the thing. And I was just talking about this. It's not that there's more to do today. It's not that somehow the world has changed and there's more stuff to do. I mean, there's all kinds of things for sure. But it's not like we have to do it all. The problem is not out there. It's in here. The problem is us. I don't know if you guys can relate to this at all. Probably not. You guys are super spiritual. But is, uh, if you've got 30 minutes trying to figure out how you can fit an hour's worth of work into that, again and again and again, we keep packing our days and we get so busy. But here's the thing. The more we squeeze in, the more God gets squeezed out. The more we try to squeeze in our life, the less time we have for God. I'm ashamed to admit it, but I can speak from experience. And we get busy. We rush through life, throwing up prayers as we go. Something goes wrong. Lord, please help. Got to go. 
Lord, I got this friend who needs uh, healing. Please heal. Got to go. Thanks. And we rush through life. When was the last time we took five minutes to sit down and pray? Or 10 minutes? Or 20 minutes to pray for our family? Or our church family? Or our community? We're so busy. The more we try to squeeze in, the more God gets squeezed up. See, the thing is, the problem is not out there. The problem is right here in us. Our priorities and what we take time to do. And we can feel this. The busyness, it messes up our lives. You cannot rush and be a deep, thoughtful person. You cannot rush around and be a thoughtful person. Busyness makes us shallow. And this world is filled with shallow people. We are up to our eyeballs in shallow. We need deep, thoughtful people. We need depth. Our families need us to be deeper, more thoughtful followers of Jesus. Our church needs us to be deeper, more thoughtful followers of Jesus. Our community around us needs us to be deeper, more thoughtful followers of Jesus. We need God to take our priority list and help us move him back to the top. Because it's about priorities. We don't get more time. All of us, that's a great equalizer. We only get 24 hours. Everybody in this room, that's all we get. Everybody who lives around us, everybody, that's all we get is 24 hours. No more, no less. So I'm talking about priorities. So hear me this morning. I'm not saying take all of your life, everything that you're busy doing, and add some more stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying take all of your busy life and reprioritize. Reprioritize. Take God from somewhere on the list where he's at and move him back near the top. Move God back to the top. And this is completely doable because people have been doing it for centuries. In fact, in this passage, in our passage this morning, verse 12, it says, Then Zerubbabel, Joshua, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. That's a whole big chunk of text, but essentially this. The people obeyed the voice of the Lord, and the people feared the Lord. They repented, and they returned back to him, and they did what God called them to do. I'm thinking about it. As I get older, when God says do something, there's sort of two ways it goes. One, I obey, and I'm glad I did. Or two, I disobey, or I don't obey, and I wish I had. The older I get, the more I want to obey because I'm glad I did. I'm tired of wishing I had. And these people, they did it. When God called them and said, I want you to build my house, to build this temple, the people responded and obeyed, and he blessed them. 
Now today, we're not building a temple out of literal stones. Today, we are living stones being built into a spiritual house. More and more people gathering new living stones from the community around us. That means people realizing who Jesus is and following him. I hear God speaking to us as a church this morning. Me included. Trust me. I hear God calling us to set down our crazy, busy lives and devote time back to his work, back to what he's doing in this community, to see God's kingdom grow here. I hear God calling us to set the circus down, to set each of us, to set your circus down, to regather around Jesus and his kingdom work. But I have to tell you, I hear Holy Spirit speaking specifically this morning. I hear him saying, consider your ways. So if you look in your bulletin, at verse 5 and at verse 7, there's two places I bolded it for you. It says, give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Actually, in the Hebrew it says, consider your heart on your ways. Does our heart dictate our life? Does our life match the heart that God has given us? The priorities that we know we should have, does our life match that? Does our life line up with our heart? So this morning, I, or sorry, this week I want you to do this. I want you to take time and ask these questions. Sit with the Holy Spirit and ask this question, Holy Spirit, are my priorities right and where do I need to set my circus down? Or where do I need to set the circus down? That's your work for this week. Are my priorities right? And where do I need to set the circus down? To help you, I made this this week. Uh, some of you are calendar keepers and this, you don't need this, but some of you, like this might be new or you're not sure where to start. I put this, it's on the back of your insert. It's purple. It's just a, a basic calendar. Looks something like this. And maybe it's a bit presumptuous, but I filled out Sunday morning with church. I put that in there for you. But I have this calendar. And what I want you to do is take time this week and ask God these two questions. Holy Spirit, are my priorities right? And where do I need to set my circus down? Take 30 minutes. Skip one cycle of the news or one sitcom. Trust me, the news, it's all bad anyways. Take 30 minutes and pray and ask Holy Spirit, are my priorities right? Fill this out. And it's simple. It's just three blocks, morning, afternoon, evening, so you don't have to get down to the minute or to the hour or anything, just three blocks. What are you doing? You know, for many of you, it's, some of you, it's still, it's like morning, afternoon, that's till Friday, that's work. Like, that's where you're at. Some of you, many of you are retired. It looks different. But fill this out. Here's an example of mine. So the gray area is, you know, time like I'm working on sermons and meeting with people. This is an example. I have like SLT meeting. Some of you are on the SLT. Like thank you for your service and for the ways you're contributing to the church that way. I also have small group and church like those two. I mean, I'm involved in those things, but they're actually really a, a blessing to me as well. So what I, what I want you to do 
is to pray and ask this question. And then I want you to devote three blocks. Three blocks to the church. Sunday morning, one block. Small group, sometime this week, two blocks. I mean, that's, that's two blocks total now. One block somewhere to serve in what God is doing in this church. I know for some of you, this feels like a huge ask. And I know that. But I want to see our community changed. I want to see our friends and our neighbors realize who Jesus is and begin following. I want to see revival in our community. Some of you are going to do this week and you're going to be encouraged because you're like, hey, I've I've got like four blocks, five blocks. I'm good. Some of you might do this this week and you might hear the Holy Spirit saying, you know what? You've got too many things going on at the church. You need to step back, give room for others, or you're burning out. You're not helping. Some of you might hear that. Some of you might be convicted because you can't put any blocks down yet. Or you can only maybe put one block in. And that's okay. Conviction is God's love for us. Imagine if we did this. Imagine what God could do in our community if we did this. If we looked at our calendar, at our lives, and we said, Holy Spirit, are my priorities right? Lord, where do you want me to set the circus down? Where have I committed to too much that distracts me from your work, from your kingdom? Imagine if we did that. What things would begin to look like in this church family, in our community. Because we all want to see God's kingdom grow here. We want to see him build this spiritual house with living stones, which are our friends and our neighbors, realizing who Jesus is and following him. We want to see God do this. We want to see people's lives change. We want to see people who are hurt and broken. We want to see them made whole. The people who are alone in our community, we want to see them brought into community here where they're encouraged and blessed. The people who wrestle with addiction, we want to see them set free. The people who go through life unsure what it's all about, who are aimless, we want them to find meaning here, to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Imagine what God would do if we do this. If we take this time, this 30 minutes, pray and ask God to go over our calendar with us and then devote three blocks back to him. Just three blocks, at least three blocks. Imagine what God would do with that. I do. All the time. I think it's going to be amazing. So this, for this week, I want us to continue to pray, ask God, are my priorities right? And where do I need to set the circus down? Amen.